Geek Vibes Nation has made the switch to Anchor. Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more great podcast networks. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have an amazing guest with me this evening. I have Juwan. How are you? I know that you have been potting all day, so thank you for taking the time to do this with me. Absolutely. Not a problem at all, Tia. Glad to be here. Yes, and normally we have Brittany on, but Brittany is actually getting married uh, probably at this exact moment. So you can all go to her Twitter page at Itty Bitty Brit Zero and congratulate her. But, you know, um, I'm more than happy to have the El Presidente of Geek Vibes Nation uh, gracing me with his presence this evening. <laughs> I appreciate it. And huge congrats to, to Brittany. She had posted, uh, I think, like a photo shoot of, I think, the wedding dress yesterday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks great. Huge congrats to her. Um, hopefully, she's able to come out this year for the New York Comic Con. Um, hopefully. 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 Hopefully, New York Comic Con will still happen because I know that they're now doing San Diego Comic Con at home, which I'm glad they're doing. When they first announced that it was being canceled, I said to myself, why not do it virtually? There's no reason to not release the things that you had wanted to in a physical sense. Right. No, you're right. You're right. Unfortunately, a lot of the trailers might still be put off because most of the releases are for next year. Um, so they might hold off a little bit. Maybe the Brazil con might be where we get, uh, all the good stuff, but, um, yeah. So who knows? Fingers crossed. That is very true. That is very true. But on this week's top 10, actually Juwan suggested it and I really liked the subject It is simply going to be the top 10 directors. Um, because I feel like we talk so many times about how there's an actor that you like and that's what draws you to a movie when those movies couldn't really ever come to fruition, obviously, if it weren't for the directors who have their own taste, their own styles, even their own, um, their own picks of cast members. So yeah, I really, I really like this one. I put together my switch. I felt bad that there wasn't as many like old school directors. I felt like I should have put them in just for like say nostalgic sake, but in reality, I'm just going to pick who I want to pick and who I like seeing their movies of. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is your, your list. This isn't a list <laughs> for the people. This is what you like. So you just, I picked who I like. I, I don't. I don't really care what people think. I picked who my favorite directors were, and um, I hope you like them because I care about your opinion. But everybody else. Well, that's the thing is that there's so many times where Brittany and I are doing our top 10 of something and we'll post it and we'll see people comment underneath and go, "Well, is this in the list?" I'm like, "No," because that's 
isn't to me nor Brittany's or whomever is my guest on for that day. You know, that's not our taste. So um, that's just who I'm picking right now. Yeah, I mean, you've only let me down with that once when you didn't have the... Yeah, what was it? I, I feel like it was you I'm talking about that I let yeah. you down. No, Joel, Joel's been, uh, he's voiced his concerns also, but for me, <laughs> it was not having the warehouse scene. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> I'll still never understand that, but I respected your list, but not having that there, <laughs> I could never accept that to you. Yeah, we just needed you on that week, apparently. We'll, we'll make another one. I blame myself. I should have been on. You're absolutely right. I blame myself. <laughs> we'll do a part two. It'll all be good. <laughs> but before we get on in a while, but we actually like to, we actually like to plug our friends over at the Main Damie family, specifically their D and D podcast, Stranger Damies. Uh, Anthony Delvecchio was kind enough to give me a little bit of a write up to promote, since I absolutely know nothing about D and D. So. For all those listening, Stranger Damies is the ongoing real play D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. Join them every Wednesday as the Wild Stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations that Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition has to throw in their path. There's elves, weird half-dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast services by searching Stranger Damies, and make sure you follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you can, of course, find us at geekvibesnation.com. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, shout out to them. I just uh, Dan just joined us for our Star Wars Saturday. So, oh, did he really? Yeah, he could only do like a few minutes, but he he popped in. Uh, I need to listen to that. Um, even though I'm not as well versed in Star Wars as you guys are, I definitely need to uh, listen in on that and see what you guys are talking about because there's some there's some stuff brewing in the Star Wars community right now. That is for sure. That is definitely for sure, Tia. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get right into this uh, top 10. I, of course, always like to start with my guests. So, Juwan, why don't you give us your number 10 on our top 10 directors? All right. My number 10 is someone that does not belong at number 10, but we always say that where you put them in isn't necessarily where they're yeah. ranked at. Um, so I'm going Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I believe I'm saying his last name pretty wrong. I'm not Coppola. Do that. Um, but this man is the reason I am into film. This man is the reason why um, I paid attention to the artistry of movie. Uh, and if anyone is unfamiliar of what Mr. Francis did for our movie uh, culture, he was the director of all three Godfathers. And if anyone knows me, they know I do not think any movie will ever be made that will ever come close to those two masterpieces. I don't know what he was thinking about the third one, but I'll, I'll chalk that up to fatigue. Um, but the first two Godfathers are masterful. Um, they are just pure beauties of cinema. Um, 
the the opening I could recite. Um, it's so quotable. It's so quotable. I don't know. I don't know how many times I've told uh, <laughs> I've told I've told my uh, my sister nothing will happen to her as long as my mom is alive, and like she still doesn't get it. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, uh, no, there's just so much uh, about the uh, the Godfather that that, you know, helped cultivate me into a fan of film that I uh, have become. He also did Apocalypse Now um, that came out in 79. Uh, that is definitely spoken on very highly. Um, and I also believe if I'm reading this correctly, he did Rainmaker um, with uh, Matt Damon. So, I mean, the guy has done a lot of stuff, but there's something special about a guy who's done Godfather that is revered as the greatest one or two movies ever. So that's what I'm putting up first. Yeah, there's this joke, I just thought about it, where um, it was something, I'm not saying it verbatim, but it's like, oh, um, if you don't know if someone's Italian, don't worry, they'll tell you it constantly. And that's how I feel because I was about to be like, well, you know, I'm Italian. So obviously, <laughs> we've watched The Godfather. Um, I will always say that my grandfather always tells me how he got so worked up seeing The Godfather in theater when Sonny was beating the shit out of his sister's husband. And he was just like, go get him, go get him, Sonny. And it's, it's really one of those really masterful movies that is just done so well. There's so many components to it that to really come out with something like that and then do it again, as you said, don't know what was going on with the third one, but you know, to do that at least twice, there's something to be said about that. And also a movie, say like Apocalypse Now is highly revered as one of the greats in filmmaking history. And it's funny because when I was putting together my list, I was looking at my list going, should I put Francis Ford Coppola on it? But it was, I had other, so I'm glad that at least you put him on so he has a rightful place on this list. Yeah, no, there's no way I wasn't going to put him on. <laughs> um, like I said, his directing is, it shaped me. So there was no way he was going to be left off of this list. Not, not at all. Not, not with me here. Not with me here. There, it's so funny, too, looking back at the Godfather trilogy and how, say, like, young Al Pacino was, and you literally were seeing, say, the start of his career right there, whereas with, um, oh, my God, why did I suddenly, Marlon Brando, that was, uh, you know, later on in his career. So you're st seeing, like, kind of, like, the... And not, I don't want to say the end of Marlon Brando's career, because I certainly think that he did do things after that, but almost the end of his career, and then the start of, again, one of the greatest actors of all time. And that was done with the help of Francis Ford Coppola. Yep, completely agree with you. Correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, The Godfather was based on a book, right? I believe so. I believe so. Let me, let me double check. <laughs> Ooh, why did that suddenly start going? My bad, guys. <laughs> All of a sudden, my TV wanted to start playing. Things are possessed here. Yes. I do apologize. <laughs> yes, it was based off of a book. 
Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Francis Ford Coppola absolutely deserves to be on this list. He's one of the greats. And if you are not into safe film like that, because, you know, there's your casual moviegoer. We talk about them all the time, but we talk about them in the sense of, say, like superhero movies. But it's like if you're the casual moviegoer, you need to at least do a little bit of research and you know know the greats of film uh, to me go ahead no i was just gonna say it's it's not for everybody it's an acquired taste it, it, it takes a lot to be able to sit through both of the godfathers uh and i always tell people as much as i i poop all over the third one um it's it's incomplete if you don't watch all three of yeah. them and it's very hard to get somebody of today to sit through almost four hours worth of just greatness um, but if they're willing to, by all means, please do. Uh, but I do understand that it's not easy to sit through. Um, like, I can't go back and watch The Irishman. That just movie just felt so long. Um, but I would, tell, I would tell people, you know, give it at least one, one go around. Like, give it at least one shot to try to watch it. Uh, but Godfather is a quintessential movie. Anyone that uses the words film. Mm-hmm should have seen and if they have not they don't understand the word film you have to have seen those first two movies um to me it's like the godfather fits into the genre of gangster movie but when you think of gangster you're thinking of constant shoot 'em up type of things where godfather there's a lot of dialogue they let uh scenes breathe and really just kind of a mirror of uh, actual story as opposed to just filling it with gunfights. Right. Yeah. So. I completely and he made stroking a cat on his lap. <laughs> thing ever. Like I remember I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I hate cats, but like towards like halfway through that first movie, I was like, I'm gonna get me a cat. I'm gonna go ahead and get me a cat <laughs> just so I could spin around in my chair and just start petting its head and uh-huh. something devious. Um, so like I said, there's just, the movie is so quotable. It's so quotable. Um, and it, it impacts today's, today's film. Uh, and I'd say it impacts today's, uh, culture. A lot of people go back to that movie. It's still being talked about. We're talking about it now. So yeah, that, that's definitely why I put frame. And John and I, before we move on, I'll say we always disagree with me saying that the Godfather should never be touched. But Juwan always likes to say that if it were led by Leonardo DiCaprio, he would be completely fine with it. Yep, in a heartbeat. <laughs> Wouldn't even question it if Leo said, hey, I want to be young Don Corleone. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Sign me up. Go ahead and do it. And I guarantee you, everybody that's like, no, I don't think they should do it. Once Leo uh, gives that performance, we'll all be like, okay, all right. I, you know, I, I, I'd be very like against it at first, but I would see it, you know, and probably like it because Leo does good work. So, and, uh, and what's dope to you is I guarantee you, if they ever did it, you know, they'd bring John Bernthal in. You know, John. Oh Bernthal. yeah. <laughs> you would a hundred percent be in that movie somehow. Um, I don't know what say like John Bernthal's ethnicity is. But that nose definitely, like, solidifies him in, like, a gangster movie like that. Yeah, he definitely would be in it. He would definitely be, be debated. He would 100% be in that. 
I mean, he's in the Sopranos like prequel movie. Of course, he's gonna be in it. <laughs> Which did that get pushed? By the way, I know that's so random. It did yeah, next July, I believe. Oh God. I can't. That's going to make me mad. All right, next. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to number nine. Great pick for the number 10, Joan. Um, I'm going to do the director, Steve McQueen. So, again, not the actor, Steve McQueen, the director. I had to look and see if there was, like, any, like, differences in their, like, stage names, and it's not. It's literally, like, Steve McQueen. And I was like, okay. Um, I don't know if that was done on purpose, you know, if the parents – like the actor but anyway um steve mcqueen i will say as a disclaimer i've never seen widows yet um but uh definitely on my list to do but so steve mcqueen for those who don't know he i think became more of a household name when he did the movie 12 years a slave which won an oscar and you know was really talked about i saw that movie Maybe the last week that it was in theaters, I saw it in one of those, um, you know, like one of those theaters that literally shows like two movies a night, you know, that type of thing. And there was one thing that really uh, stood out to me, and it's that Steve McQueen has a style. And this is coming from someone who's seen his other movies, such as Shame and Hunger. By the way, Hunger, Shame, and 12 Years a Slave all had Michael Fassbender in it. So I'm very surprised that Michael Fassbender was not in Widows. So um, maybe there was just a schedule conflict there with some Magneto stuff. But um, in Steve McQueen's, and I know, Joan, you've never seen 12 Years a Slave, but I don't know if you've ever seen Shame or Hunger. Okay. Steve McQueen has this thing where each movie he focuses the camera on a scene and there's no music going on, nothing at all. It's just the noise, the natural ambiance. And it forces you kind of to really just see what the hell is going on in that moment. So spoiler for anyone who's never seen 12 years of slave it's just the moment that pops up to me there's unfortunately a moment in it where the main character goes to get lynched but because the people who are doing it get called away he's literally on the tips of his toes struggling to breathe and you would think at that point it's just gonna be quick it's just gonna move away from that you know or there's gonna be some sort of thing to kind of like distract you and it's like no steve mcqueen had like a solid minute and a minute means seem, may seem like, oh, it's just a minute, but it's so long and it just stands there and you hear like the birds chirping in the back and you hear people chatting a little and then you hear him gasping for air. And I know that's such like a stark, you know, uh, thing, but he has that in all of his movies. So uh, I don't know if he did it in Widows, but he certainly did it in those three films. And to me, there's just something so great about his storytelling. It's so raw. Um, Shame was about, you know, a guy with a sex addiction. Hunger was about uh, during the time where the British were literally imprisoning Irish people for being Irish and they're them going on hunger strike in prison. So to me, Steve McQueen is one of the best directors. I see his name slapped on something and I think that it has to be good, which is why when Widows didn't get as great of reviews, I was very shocked about that. But um, John, as someone who hasn't seen really his films, is there anything that really you can comment on about him? 
Um, I did not enjoy Widows. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I, was, I was shocked when you said his name because I immediately went, uh, one movie of his I saw I did not like. The execution just, it, it, it wasn't executed properly. Um, and as you stated before, I have not seen 12 Years of Slave. Uh, I do not watch slavery movies. Which I totally respect, you know, so I wouldn't sit here and tell you to see them, but I would tell you to, if you can, try to watch Shame and try to watch Hunger. Yeah, no, those I'll definitely check out. I just, I I think we have now, um, over the past 40 to 50 years, I think we have built a culture to where we um, celebrate slavery movies, but we don't go the step, uh, a step above that and try to fix some of the same similar issues that still exist. Um, The fact that one of the 50 states just made lynching illegal and we're in 2020 is insane. Um, so I just, I, I don't like to celebrate it. Um, so I don't see them. But I've heard nothing but great things. It's what started Lupita, uh, Lupita's career. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely recognize uh, how powerful that movie was. And having a Black director do it is, is equally as powerful. Um, but I just, I, I can't. I can't watch them. But um, no, Widows to me, great cast, poor execution. Um, and a really disgusting kiss between Viola Davis and Liam Neeson. Oh, oh I heard about that. <laughs> almost ruined kissing for me. Like, like I almost, I don't think I ever kiss again. That's gross. Um, but no, it just, it didn't have the, uh, the execution that it needed. Um, but no, those other two movies I'll definitely put on my list. You know, Tia, every day you give me a, a, a longer list of stuff to watch. Um, so I'll add that to it. Um, but yeah, he's, I, I, I think he's only four or five movies deep in his career. Um, one of them being just, uh, as, as people say, just a masterpiece of a movie in 12 Years a Slave. Um, but I'll definitely check out those other two because Widows was, was not it. It was so, not a good intro to me. What it sounds like to me, because if you watch Shame and you watch Hunger, not that they're indie movies, because they're certainly not, but they do have maybe a, more of a room to kind of be an indie movie without being an indie movie, kind of just telling their tale. But I think that maybe 12 Years a Slave, because it won Oscars, because it was such a big production, maybe kind of put pressure on Steve McQueen to maybe put out more of what is considered a blockbuster Hollywood movie as opposed to just telling a story that he wanted to tell because it did surprise me when I saw the trailer for Widows how action-packed it looked and I'm like that's not really Steve McQueen's style at least for the previous three films that I've seen so again it sucks that you know say people like you and other people who've not seen his previous films that's what you see of him and you're like he must be a terrible terrible director because Widows was awful and it's like oh no that hurts me to even hear that yeah no I it that's why when you said his name I was like oh Tia is not gonna like what I have to say (laughs) um but no I I am I am fair enough to realize how special of a movie 12 Years of Slave is. Um, I want to make sure I'm being very clear. I'm not saying 12 Years of Slave was not great or not good. I just have not seen it. 
um, and I refuse to, but it has nothing to do with the director. Um, so I want to make sure I'm clear on that. I understand that that's a great movie. Uh, I did a lot for a lot of different people's careers. Um, I just have not seen it. So those other two movies, I will definitely, I promise you, I will definitely check out. So I can give a better, uh, a better reaction to his body of work. Because to me, I already put 12 Years a Slave up there just because of the accolades, right? So I'm like, if those other two movies are a hit, I could say he's three out of four. That's not bad. I, I can respect that. Um, as opposed to, I haven't seen two of the, or three of them, and the one that I did see. You weren't a fan of. Not it's, a because, it's because he didn't have Michael Fassbender with him. Apparently, Michael Fassbender was his golden card there. <laughs> if he had to remove that nasty kiss... And maybe made the ending a little better. We'd be having a totally different conversation. Viola Davis kissing Michael Fassbender. I think I could have gotten behind that, Tia. <laughs> As opposed to Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Liam Neeson, like, regardless even of the comments that he made, which I think those came out during the time of the movie, so that already kind of probably put people off but he also in general doesn't look like a very kissable person so no one wants to see someone as like grand as viola davis kissing pasty looking liam neeson not at all not at all Tia. it was it was gross yeah it sounds gross but my number nine uh pick here is steve mcqueen joan what is your number eight my number eight is the man that legit makes me want to write a script every time he releases a project. And that is the great, uncomparable David Fincher. Oh, yeah. David Fincher is a masterful director. Not only has he done my, uh, Mindhunter, he also directed some of the episodes of House of Cards that I am currently watching. He did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Zodiac, which does not get enough credit. I just rewatched that the other day, by the way. It was really good. It was really, really good. good. Uh, he did Fight Club, which we already know about Fight Club. And he also did The Panic Room with Jodie Foster. That doesn't get enough credit. That was really good. Um, and obviously, what we all know this great man by, Gone Girl. Gone Girl that stars my dad. Uh, um, David Fincher handles suspense suspense dramas like no one I've ever seen um, I can't even compare his, his style of art to anyone it's so unique it's always breathtaking it's always like a gasp moment uh, Tia, you also watched Mindhunter because we were mad at him for not continuing. I was just going to say I have a little bit of beef, though, with him for yeah, that. <laughs> we got a beef with him. We're definitely waiting outside at the Sandlot for him to get out. Um, but, no, that show itself is just so breathtaking um, because you look at it and you kind of go, it doesn't even necessarily have to show you the murders. It doesn't have to show you people dying. It's just the idea of investigating how someone can be that deranged. Um, is what's really like, oh my goodness. And then we know Gone Girl, spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for, I want to say, like eight years now. But yeah. uh, uh, just to see how far she was willing to go is insane. Is insane. 
So I love that. I love everything about David Fincher. David Fincher, honestly, Tia, was who I wanted to direct the Batman. Oh, that was yes, good. And yes, part of it was uh, his relationship with Ben at the time. Um, but even when Ben uh, was seeming like he was probably on his way out before they confirmed Matt Reeves, I was like, David Fincher? Like, the guy does suspense drama. Batman is like a suspense drama. I don't know how he would handle the fantasy aspect of it, but I'm like, David Finch would be so perfect. Um, but all due respect to, to Matt Reeves. Um, but yeah, David Fincher, he should do like a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, his name is The Question. Okay. Uh, that that character is very much a, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, what do you call those people that like investigate uh, like the aliens and Bigfoot conspiracy theorists. Yeah, the question is very much a conspiracy theorist. David Fincher would eat, would be able to do that in his sleep. Yeah, he'd be really good. So I'm like that would be perfect for him. But I love David Fincher. There was no way he was not gonna make it uh, on my list, uh, the short list that I that I drew up. Um, I just I love everything he's done so far. And when I when I was watching House of Cards and I saw his name pop up, I was like. <laughs> all right you got me all right let's see what he has for me and the episodes that he was part of were some of my favorite episodes so uh david fincher definitely uh belongs right here and if you guys haven't seen panic room go see panic room jody foster was amazing Forrest whitaker was amazing and if i'm not mistaken i'll double check i think the little girl was a young uh what's her name from twilight um kristen stewart I think that was a young Kristen Stewart. I'll double check. Yeah, it was Kristen Stewart. Wow. It was Kristen Stewart. That was, and people don't remember this. Jared Leto was in that movie also. Jared Leto is in a lot of movies, and people just kind of like to think that he didn't exist prior to playing the Joker. Well, problem is he's a musician, so I think a lot of people remember him more so from being a musician than an right. actor. Um, but that's why when he had his breakout role where he won an Oscar, a lot of people were shocked because it's like, wait a minute. Isn't that the singer? And it's like, yeah. He just got an Oscar? Yeah. Like, he acts also. It's like, that's weird. I did not expect that. Um, but, yeah, it's a young Kristen Stewart uh, that played the little girl in that movie. So, yeah, check out Panic Room. Yeah, there – I love you for putting David Fincher on this. For, I don't know if you know this about me. I don't know anyone who's listening, knows, if they know this about me. I still say that Fight Club is my favorite movie of all time. I'm not trying to say that to be trendy or be like, just because I love David Fincher. That is literally my answer to any time. It's like, well, what's your favorite movie of all time? Fight Club. It's always going to be Fight Club. Um, that's just such a great movie. It's still a great movie. There's so many things to dissect. Um, each time I watch it, I've watched it like a million times now. And I feel like every time I watch it, I learn something new about it. I figure out something new about it. But I also loved The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. To me, that stood out as one of the best movies that I've seen. It pisses me off to this day that we did not get a sequel with Rooney Mara in it. And then you go and bring out some failed sequel with Claire Boy, and I will never understand that. Um, but that... Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, movie was so powerful when it came out. I was just like, holy crap. Um, and it's funny about Gone Girl. So funny story. I tried to watch that like twice before I actually watched it. Um, I started it off and I was bored as shit, right? 
And I remember, no, no, no. Okay. So I remember like, and I only never got past the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I remember telling Kelly, like, I can't get through Gone Girl, but everyone talks about Gone Girl, but I can't get through. And she's like, Tia, get through the first 10 minutes. I swear it'll be worth it. And I sat there with my jaw like on the floor. And now I consider it one of the best movies that I've ever seen because it really is this just masterful telling, you know, it gets, it's a little slow in the beginning. You know, it's a lot of, you know, dialogue and shit. But if you get past that, holy crap, you know, the story unraveling, like you said, what this woman was willing to do when you find out the real twist in it, you know, because at first you're like, Ben Affleck is a scumbag. I mean, to a degree, he was still kind of a scumbag considering, oh, sure. he, you know, he was banging like a 19-year-old or something. But her? And then she kills poor Neil Patrick, you know, Harris. Or, you know, I'm just like, oh, God. Um, but, yeah, and then Mindhunter. Mindhunter was just, like, it, I, I will say, like, I will still always – have beef with him for not wanting to come back for a third one and when i when we reported that they had let go of everyone from their contracts because david fincher wasn't you know in the mood to come back for a third one just yet because he's working on his movie mank i was like i don't like that david fincher i don't like that (laughs) yeah no it, it was it was frustrating to get past it but i i believe he made it very clear that he's not saying he won't do another season. It's just right. a priority right now. Um, so, I mean, as long as you can still get the same people back, um, I have no problem with it. Um, but, yeah, he makes the kind of movies that I enjoy. I love slow burns. Uh, yeah. I love dialogue-driven movies. Uh, as much as people think I am an action holic, I'm not. I love slow burn uh, very talkative shows and movies. Um, again, when you're raised on The Godfather, that is not an action-packed, rolling down the window, just starting shooting at people. It's very much of a uh, drama, long-winded, conversationalist piece. Um, and I love that. So to me, when I saw Gone Girl, I'm like, I like how slow this is. It's slow. Because to me, what I hate to you is, a movie that's suspenseful, that the dialogue goes so fast. They like, oh, damn, what did he say? Like, let me go back. Gone Girl was so slow, so methodical, that you picked up on everything. So, like, nothing went over your head if you were paying attention. Everything was like this. You got it. You got it. You got it. So, to me, perfect. David Fincher, genius. I actually, I'm upset he hasn't done more movies. That's not enough. That's not a long enough (laughs) rap sheet for someone that's as smart as that man. He needs at least six movies every four years. You know, because though there's so much in his films, it's like he has to take his time with them. So I appreciate that. Uh, Hopefully Mank is just as good considering we didn't get my hunter season three because of it. But um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, yeah, you are right. A lot of his, uh, movies are a lot of dialogue they're very slow burn but they pay off like um i know that girl with the dragon tattoo is based on a book so you know you could say that that was based you know because of the book but still the way he presented that story was very slow with these little moments in between of like something really dark happening right. um 
And I, I don't know. I just love that. That, that made me love Daniel Craig, not him being in James Bond. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo made me love Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. No, it's the other way around for me. James Bond <laughs> made me love Daniel Craig. And then, like, the cherry on top was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But um, masterful movie. A mask. And it wasn't afraid to go there. I believe that movie. Wasn't that the movie where the, the guy had the lady tied up on the bed? Yeah, so he, so Rooney Mara's uh, character, Elizabeth, the main character, literally the girl with the dragon tattoo, um, is raped by her uh, guardian because she's technically a ward of the state. Um, and it was very horrific. Uh, I feel like David Fincher wouldn't necessarily get away with that nowadays since uh, people have tried to shy away from showing sexual assault on screen. But it was very harrowing. It was very difficult to watch, but that's the point. It's rape. Um, but then that scene made it where uh, I loved when her character then tattooed rapist on his chest. And she was like, if you try and get it removed, I'm going to tattoo it on your forehead next. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why I said it, to me, a director is only as good as... as uh, as the envelope that they try to put up. Like, to me, when you box yourself in, it's like you can kind of feel that they were, uh, you know, holding back. Even yeah. if it doesn't hold back. He does not hold back. It, you're right. It wouldn't exist now because they would consider it more so of a, uh, you glorifying it. Right. Bringing, bringing awareness to it. So I get it. But um, it, the point of it is, for, is to make you uncomfortable enough to be aware that it's happening. Um, and that's what I got from, from that was that it, oh. it's happening out here. Like pay attention. Like, you know, it's not just this myth that's just talked about. People are being abused out here and awareness is really the only way to, to start making change about it. Yeah. And I'll say really quick that, you know, I have no problem with the scene being in the movie because I feel like then there's this like subculture of people who, do glorify sexual assault they make it seem like it's sexier or something you know what i mean you watch these movies and they're like you know they act as if the girl's kind of like you know she she's holding back but she really does want him to do it or something like that and it's like no this spartacus, was like, spartacus made me uncomfortable in that yeah like even though it was it was obviously trying to showcase how it was back then um that is the highest form of of glorifying Right. Um, because it kind of did make it seem like only 2% of that show was consensual, it felt like. Uh, the rest of it was kind of just like, no, I own you. And it was just like, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> that I feel like exist today. I feel like it was Jessica Jones season one that kind of set the precedent precedence of you don't need to show sexual assault to be able to handle a sexual assault storyline because when the first season of Jessica Jones came out, that is what got praised so much about it, even from people who I know who weren't into the superhero uh, subculture. Right. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I will say one more thing before we move on. Jared Leto was in Fight Club. Yes, he was. <laughs> Jared Leto is like the janitor of, of movies. Like, he just happens to always be there. It's like you he turn your head and you're like, why he, are you here? <laughs> he, al 
he also seems to be the person that they love to put in for people to beat the shit out of because Fight Club, he got the shit beat out of him. Amer- uh, American Psycho got killed in it. So, you know, they like putting him in when they need something to, like, beat up, apparently. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> They're like, hey, we need, we need someone to, to just be bloody. You mind, Jared? Nah, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm good, I'm good. Um, I will take the number seven, and I will put... Uh, Bong Joon-ho on the list. Um, so for those who don't know who Bong Joon-ho is, he is the South Korean director of the film Parasite that literally won an Oscar this past year. But besides that, he has also done movies such as Snowpiercer, which is a personal favorite of mine. We did a top 10 even with me, Brittany, and one of the main Damie members, Mark. Um, he also is behind, oh God, why am I now losing uh, track of the shit that he's been in? Uh, the Host, he has also done, I think that was kind of one of his first movies. And I probably should have been more prepared and that like having my actual list here of the things that he's done. Uh, he also did this movie on Netflix called Okja, which I will admit isn't my favorite by him but I still could see like the style that he always likes to keep in his films but um uh yeah so mostly for me it's mostly the host Snowpiercer and Parasite and Bong Joon-ho's uh filmmaking style always seems to be something where it's very like suspended belief um and he always has this message pretty much of like classism going in there's always like a social commentary on it such as with parasite pretty much rich versus the poor snowpiercer is you know people who and for anyone who's seen snowpiercer to me the line that always sums it up is when ed harris's character tells chris evans character um you know some people are just you know you have to be happy with the status that you are given in life and chris evans character goes that's what people in the best you know position always say to those who are in the worst position and that just sums it up um so to me his movies always have these social um messages behind them even with something as okja which was a little funky to be honest but still wanted to make a commentary on how people pretty much I think it to me the the message behind it was more commenting on like how gluttonous we are with food in this world. Um, and if you've seen Okja, I think you can kind of agree with that. But yeah, I don't know, Juan, if you've really seen anything by Bong Joon Ho. If you watch Parasite, okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's weird, right? It's definitely a little strange um the ending especially is a little odd but that is totally Bong Joon-ho's style there to me I don't mind at all that you have to watch most of his movies in subtitles just because I put subtitles on even for English speaking shit just because people whisper and I need to hear what you know they're saying so it doesn't bother me in the least bit so to me I just think that Bong Joon-ho is a really talented director I'm happy that his Oscar has given him awareness throughout the world. And I think that he's right. People need to kind of open up their minds a little more to international films because you're losing out on a whole slew of movies that are really good just simply because people say, oh, I don't want to read when I watch movies. So, yeah, number seven is Bong Joon-ho. Uh, 
Wong Jun Ho, I put in the same box I put Matt Reeves in to where um, don't have a large enough body of work. Um, like to me, I when I'm breaking down like great directors, you have to do one or two things. You either have to have a long body of work that kind of shows um, how consistent you are, or let's say if you've only done like four movies, one or two out of those four movies have to be like all time great. And albeit, I do think for our time, Parasite and Snowpiercer uh, are probably in most people's top top 10, top 15, top 20. Um, I kind of want to see if he's able to do it again. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, same with Matt Reeves. Like, Matt Reeves does have – Let Me In is 100% in my top 10 all-time movies. Uh, Chloe Grace, uh, Story of uh, Vampire. I love it gives me chills and scares the hell out of me every time I watch it. Um, and then of course, Planet of the Apes. Um, and I'm like, all right, you've been able to do that twice. Great. I need to see it again. Cause that third time lets me know that those first two um, were legitimate. Um, so I, I'm curious what Bung Jung Ho does next. Uh, but I do want to recognize Parasite uh, for all of its glory, Snowpiercer for all of its glory. Um, he definitely deserves a seat at this table. So I'm not refuting it. I'm just saying I am curious to see what he does yeah. next. Did, uh, you ever, did you ever see Snowpiercer? Nope. Oh, it's one of Chris Evans' best movies, honestly. Again, when I sit there and I say that people don't realize how good of an actor Chris Evans are. Of course, now we're going to put Defending Jacob on that list. I always put the movie Puncture, um, and I always put Snowpiercer because he led that movie in a really great way that, you know, he didn't at all feel like Captain America. It was a, again, it was Snowpiercer was good enough that they now have given it its own TV series. You know, at least at the moment, people are coming out and saying, like, hey, I really enjoyed this film, to the point where they're like, oh, shit, like, let's make a series on it now all these years later. So, and Parasite to me, I didn't watch it before the Oscars. I watched it afterwards. I didn't go to the movies to see it. But when I watched it, it was one of those films that once I shut it off, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I think that's how you kind of know that a movie resonated with you. So even if while you're watching it, you aren't particularly like thinking, oh my God, this movie's so amazing. But if afterwards you're sitting there and like me and my boyfriend talked about it for like days later, like days, we just like sat there and like deconstructed the movie, talked about the themes, what it meant when one person did this, because that is his style. He wants you to talk. He wants you to talk when he does these type of movies. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I've heard all the, uh, the acclaim for both of those movies. And that's why I said I completely understand why he deserves a seat at the table. Um, I just, to me, I'll, I'm always curious to see, can you do it again? Yeah. Can you do it again now that all the spotlight is on you? Um, because Paris, not Paris, I'm sorry. Um, Snowpiercer didn't have anywhere near as much um, acclaim as Parasite did. So Parasite was your worldwide, um, you know, your worldwide break. So let's see, now that the spotlight's on you, what's your next movie? Um, so that's what, that's usually what I always pay attention to. Like Matt Reeves is going to have to hit me 
with this uh, the Batman, which I believe he will. Um, but once he does that, I can then start to say, this is your clear pattern. So I now know what to look forward to anytime I hear, you know, uh, directed by Matt Reeves. I'm like, all right, I know your style now. I know what to look forward to. So that's usually what I look for. But um, I completely understand why he's on the list. But I just wanted to say I, I haven't been at box with Matt Reeves. I got to see what their third movie is um, and how they decide to go about it, both coming off of big projects. Like Matt Reeves coming off to Batman, what are you going to do? Um, him coming off of Parasite, what are you going to do? So that that's usually what I pay attention to. I will say the one thing that I'll comment there is um, Mark pointed out when we were doing the top 10 uh, moments from Snowpiercer that so Snowpiercer was Bong Joon-ho's first English-speaking movie. It obviously starred Chris Evans and had a largely English-speaking cast. Um, and it was picked up by the Weinstein Company. And it is kind of known even by Bong Joon-ho saying that Harvey Weinstein buried that movie. There's a huge reason why it didn't have as much of a box office claim. It isn't necessarily the critical response. It's that Weinstein buried the release, um, where it could be shown, when it could be shown, how many theaters it could be shown, um, largely try to interfere with Bong Joon-ho's um, filmmaking process to the point where apparently uh, the director had to make up uh, certain things in order to get scenes to be like, kept within the movie like there's this one movie that involves like a fish right and Bong Joon-ho really wanted to keep it in Harvey Weinstein didn't and Bong Joon-ho like made up that it's like something that traditional South Korean warriors do or something and in reality it isn't he just did that so that he could keep it in so I will say that that movie was largely interfered with by Harvey Weinstein yeah they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, um, yeah, so that's my number seven. Juwan, what's your number six? My number six is – oh, nope, phone, don't die yet. <laughs> number six is the great, great Quentin Tarantino. He was on my list, too. <laughs> is a masterful – director i'm looking through his movies and there's not one miss um once upon a time in hollywood pulp fiction and glorious bastards django reservoir dogs kill bill one and two hateful eight jackie brown death proof which doesn't get enough credit such a fun movie um and then obviously you go uh he had he helped on grindhouse he helped on natural born killers sin city uh hostel which is, oof. <laughs> oof. that is, a um, but yeah, sorry, that, that, seeing Hostel just spiral. <laughs> Flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, scared the hell out of me. But um, yes, Quentin Tarantino is very much like David Fincher in the idea of, um, even in Kill Bill, which is an action movie, it is so riddled with so much damn dialogue. It is the only thing I've ever hated about Quentin Tarantino, that he will dialogue you to death. And it's like, Quentin, it's supposed to be an action movie. She doesn't have to talk, like, before she fights everybody. Just fight. Um, like, I remember the, the end battle at the end, uh, 
where Uma Thurman was taking on Lucy Liu, there was just so much talking in that shit. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but he is a masterful director and he carved out a lane that um, I honestly believe without Quentin Tarantino, there might not be no Robert Rodriguez. Uh, so much of Robert Rodriguez feels like Quentin Tarantino. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love this man. Um, Hateful Eight was beautifully done. A great way to do a whodunit. And um, people really hate on the Hateful Eight. I don't know how. So much flack, and I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. Look, I, I'll say this for forever. If someone comes to me and goes, it was just too much talking, I'll never disagree with that, ever. I get it. I get it. But it was so worth it when you got to the end and you were like, oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Um, the Hateful Eight, Kill Bill 1 and 2. I'll never forget. Uh, my dad tells me all the time, sitting in the theater, uh, the movie's ending, and then it's the cliffhanger of um, she has a daughter, and her daughter's alive. And it's like, what? <laughs> huh? Because um, you thought, you know, she got her revenge. That was it. That was it. And then it's like, nope, she's got more to, she's got more to do. Um, and he did not disappoint in that second one. Uh, and then you go, obviously, Pulp Fiction has the greatest dialogue probably in movie history uh, within the first 25 minutes of that movie. The rest of the movie you can kind of throw away. That first 25 minutes. <laughs> um, Reservoir Dogs, which is a movie that is legit nothing but talking. They are just standing around talking. Um, but it's done so well. And then the movie that will forever be in my top five, no movie will ever move it out of my top five, Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Such a masterful movie. I love everything about it. I still get chills to you at the beginning of that movie, how oh. Christoph Waltz is talking to the guy. And then he's like, where are they? And the yeah. guy points to the floorboard and like they, he lets them have, and I just, I loved how brilliant it was done. Brad Pitt was freaking amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, top five of my all time movies will never move from that number five spot. Um, just like Godfather two will never move from number one. My number one and number five are solidified. It's, it's in that middle. That could be, Interchangeable. Uh, oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, Quentin Tarantino deserves a spot on this list. That's not even to be debated. And I really hope his next movie isn't his last. I hope he just takes a long break and yeah. then like five years comes back with a masterpiece. I can't disagree with you at all. Quentin Tarantino to me is just one of the greatest filmmakers ever. Every single movie of his is just this masterfully constructed film that and you're right like first of all i to me personally i think inglorious bastards is his best movie um and that's not shitting on any of the other movies they're great movies so on top of all these great movies that is the cream of the crop um to me that uh opening scene absolutely to me the scene that always gets me is the one where shoshana is speaking with hans lund in that little cafe and she has to kind of pretend like she's someone else and he walks away and she completely starts hyperventilating i'm like holy crap but they're in that movie alone so many amazing scenes to touch upon 
Again, I don't know where the hate for Hateful Eight comes because I really enjoyed it. As you said, it's a cool spin on a whodunit when you find out uh, all of the details. It's really awesome. I remember I kind of spoiled it for myself. Brittany had seen it before me and I was like, oh, yeah, so uh, how many people die in this? Because, you know, Quentin Tarantino loves to kill most of his cast off. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, they all die. Everyone dies. So I'm like, no, but someone has to be left alive, right? She's like, no, no. They literally all die. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, all die. Um, all die. I recently rewatched Django Unchained and just relived every single magical moment with that, with uh, Jamie Foxx, again, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, and how despicable he was. Um, you can't tell me that in that movie, to me, one of my favorite scenes is the one where Django at the end is looking all awesome, you know, in the, like, mansion plantation whatever um and he tells the two women he's like say goodbye to uh leonardo dicaprio's character's sister i forget what her name is like miss sarah or something like say goodbye to miss sarah and they're like goodbye miss sarah and then he just blasts her away and i just thought that was like the greatest shit ever um but to me and also reservoir dogs i put like inglorious bastards and reservoir dogs um, just because Reservoir Dogs was so great. Like, Steve Buscemi was awesome in it. Freaking the iconic ear-cutting-off scene. I mean, there's just so many amazing, iconic scenes in a Quentin Tarantino film. I love hearing that he had involvement with um, Natural Born Killers, because that also is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I will say, I was not the biggest fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That I was not the biggest fan of. Um, I like Brad Pitt in it. And of course, Leo always does a phenomenal job. But in general, I thought that it was just okay. That's fair. I don't really have any arguments for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, I, I can't really argue. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but I don't really have an argument to anyone who's kind of like, it was all right. I'm like, yeah, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> no arguments here, but yeah, Quentin Tarantino is a master of everything. Uh, none of his movies feel the same. Jackie Brown definitely didn't feel like Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs didn't feel like Pulp Fiction. Uh, Pulp Fiction didn't feel like The Hateful Eight. Um, I just, I, I love that man. I love, if I could ever sit down and just pick his brain, Five minutes after I sat down, he would go, all right, you got to go. That's how much I would annoy him with just so many questions. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, once once people listen, they're going to be like, all right, Quentin made it. All right, cool. Um, there's no way we wouldn't have Quentin on this. There's thing. no way that we wouldn't have him. Like, I see some people hating on him, and I'm like, okay, you're just doing it as a, as a fad, pretty much, you know. Sure. It's fashionable to – but – um. I am. I will say I was a little disappointed to hear that he's not directing a Star Trek movie, just because that would have been so interesting. Like, what would a Star Trek movie by Quentin Tarantino even have looked like? Uh, Death Everywhere. That's Death Everywhere. Right. <laughs> Death Everywhere. Yeah, yeah that's his thing. And Samuel Jackson. That's what it would have. Been. <laughs> he really has been in like most of his movies. He's just he he does a new movie and he's just like ring ring. Hey Sam, but he's like, and Samuel Jackson's just like, yeah, 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 I'll be there. Just 
tell me when to show up. Not even, Tia, not even. His agent, like, his, his agent would go, Sam, Quentin's on the phone. Just tell him yes. You don't even know what it is. Just tell him yes. Just tell, tell him yes. Him. <laughs> like, in Kill Bill, people people gloss over it. He was the uh, the uh, the pianist at uh, at her wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something as simple as that. In, in Glorious Bastards, he was the narrator. Just something as simple yeah. as that. So Samuel Jackson's always like, what do you need me to do? You just want me to stand here? I'll do it. I'll do yeah. it. I'll do it. Um, so they have a great friendship. It reminds me of, remember how Rob Schneider was in almost every Adam Sandler movie? Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> Rob, it's like, Rob, oh. Rob Schneider definitely. But I feel like in that relationship, it was more of Rob Schneider like, pestering Adam Sandler, like, so when are you coming out with a new movie? But to be fair, he has stolen the show a lot. Um, so it's like, it's been really good to have him. He, he's what made Big Daddy special for me. Um, arguing over the, the spelling contest that he uh, had with the kid. Um, but yeah, no, Samuel Jackson has been in, I want to say, majority, if not all of Quentin Tarantino's most recent. I think the only one recently he hasn't is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that Which could is very shocking. Yeah, that could have been a scheduling conflict, or maybe he just didn't have anything for him. Um, but Kill Bill in it, obviously, um, the Who Done It, because he was the main character. Hatefully, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, um, Django. Yeah, he's been in a majority of it. I think he was in Jackie Brown. I could be wrong, but I think he was in Jackie Brown. So I think there's only a handful of Quentin Tarantino movies he wasn't in, if that, maybe three. Yeah. So, but yeah, Quentin Tarantino deserves a spot on this list, but everybody knew that. Everyone knew that, yeah, absolutely. Um, we definitely did our duty in putting Quentin Tarantino on the top ten. Um, I will go with number five, and I'm going to do one that, again, I just want to put on just because I love his movies, uh, and it's going to be Tim Burton, because to me, I love Tim Burton. Uh, I think that he is a great filmmaker. I think that his films, at least in the earlier age, kind of really, um, I don't know, so many kids like my age, we all grew up on uh you know nightmare before christmas um he did you know some of the greatest batman movies um corpse bride freaking just all of his like his style of like filmmaking and what he kind of uh loves to incorporate in his movies i just love the like feel of it and while i know that you know some of his films aren't the greatest and you know the things that he's done like recently aren't like so much well received. I just have to sit there and I have to give credit where credit is due because as someone who grew up loving, say the whole gothicness of his films, such as Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, and considering how much of those type of films were so big in my childhood, I have to give credit to him and I have to say that I enjoy his movies. So yeah, I'm putting Tim Burton on this list. Uh, as someone who is a huge Batman fan, what do you think of his uh, Batman movies? Um, yeah, no, I, I almost, I almost yelled at you. I got my directors mixed up. I, I, I don't know why, but I was thinking you were saying Joel Schumacher. 
oh god no never <laughs> give me more credit there <laughs> i i almost left this this this, this <laughs> job. uh but no uh speaking of a director literally uh catering to one specific actor Johnny Depp is in at least 85% of all of uh, Tim Burton's movies. It's either oh. him or Car- her name is something Carter, Allie Carter. Oh, well, that was his, uh, that was his wife, Helena Bona Carter. So <laughs> Exactly. There you go. Um, but yeah, one of those two are, are usually in all of his movies. If one isn't, the other is. Um, but yeah, he, he's reinvented what it, what it means to make a, prototypical movie um no one's ever been able to do what tim burton has has been able to do some may say that's a good thing um i choose to say i like people who choose to be drastically different you go down you go uh the nightmare before christmas as edward scissor hand scissor hand sorry uh corpse of the bride beetlejuice alice in wonderland charlie and the chocolate factory sweeney todd um sleepy hollow i really enjoyed miss uh Pyrigan's Home for Peculiar uh, Peculiar Children, if I'm saying that right. I really did enjoy that movie a lot. I think more than I should have, but I really did enjoy it. Um, Dark Shadows, Frank and Weenie. Um, and obviously, I don't know why I'm skipping over it. It should be the one thing that I'm talking about. He gave us 89 and Batman Returns. Um, so he makes it in my book. I mean... <laughs> You do Batman and you do Batman right. You make it in in my book. Um, and he did those things. And I think I've seen 60% of his movies. Yeah. Not a bad thing to say about any of them. So I don't mind this one. I say, yeah, he makes it. He also did um, a Planet of the Apes movie, but I don't think that that... Let's know. No, no, I, I never saw it. So I'm like, does that, that doesn't connect with the, the recent ones, right? Like that. No. <laughs> the time they were doing that horrible Mark Wahlberg one. Um, it, oh, it, God. It, it, it's best we leave that out of his out of his repertoire. And I will say that definitely, like, his newer stuff is questionable um, because he is, you know, I think maybe some people would say, and you even kind of touched upon it, like a one trick pony. But to me, as someone who gave us a fantastic Batman, I mean, literally the Catwoman that we all love and that like literally we all kind of, you know, wish uh, Zoe Kravitz to emulate is because of Tim Burton. Beetlejuice, which will forever be one of my favorite Michael Keaton roles, was him. Uh, And and as I said, The Nightmare Before Christmas is a huge movie for me. Uh, If you grew up around my age and if you were part of the punk goth scene, you loved Tim Burton. You, like, praised Tim Burton back in the day. So I couldn't have this list of top ten directors and not put Tim Burton on it, even if perhaps he may be deserves to be a little lower on the list than I put the other directors. No arguments here. I think he deserves <laughs> a spot. Like I said, he did Batman 89, so that man's forever an infamy with me. So yeah. I will... I will say, um, I don't know if you know what the MoMA is, but it's the Museum of Modern Art in uh, New York City. And years ago, they had a Tim Burton uh, exhibit 
we went down there and we were waiting online and I don't know, we ended up bef- like the line was so long. It was taking so long. Uh, we ended up befriending like one of the security guards while literally online. And he kind of like had a skip ahead to the front. So that was really cool. And we were able to see like all of his stuff where he was literally uh, drawing the caricatures from his films on like paper napkins and shit. So just seeing even that experience and kind of getting like a look into his mind was also really cool. Yeah, no, I, I am, I am definitely a fan of Tim Burton. Um, and once I realized that it was not the, uh, the Joel Schumacher, uh, he's actually next. That's my next pick is Joel Schumacher. See, I will leave. <laughs> I'm kidding. Put him anywhere near me. Um, I despise that man giving Batman bat nipples. To <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, gave him a bat credit card too. Like, what? You could trace where that comes from. That's so stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, God, I hate that man. Don't, don't worry. I won't. I won't uh, get you any angrier than you are now. Thinking of Joel Schumacher. <laughs> oh my God, he makes me sick. Oh. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so number five is Tim Burton for me. Juwan, what is your number four? All right. A lot of people are going to get mad with this, but I could care less. For my next pick, I am putting up a man many call my father. I call him my father also. Mr. Ben Affleck himself. Uh, (laughs) This man is one of the brightest actors turned directors um live by night was a bit of a letdown argo was a masterpiece the town was a masterpiece um but the movie that made me really shake in my boots when it came to ben uh and his directing was gone baby gone um i don't know if it was his directing or if it was casey affleck's acting but that movie was so freaking good um and i'm just sitting through that movie watching in the theater with my dad one i thought to myself it is long as shit even when it looks like the movie ends you're like all right dang that's crazy that's crazy the movie ends like that and then it's like oh nope you thought we were gone another hour and a half wait what i thought this was over um i love gone baby gone it is in my top 10 favorite movies all time um is as cringy as that movie is to watch because of its subject matter i could go back and watch that movie anytime uh that's how freaking good it is um but yeah the town nothing i need to say about that if anyone's seen the town you guys already know you guys already know nothing i need to say about that um and argo we obviously know argo live by night was i don't know if that was been frustrated with warner brothers around the batman time uh, I know he wanted to, to get that movie made really badly, but it just didn't really pan out to what he wanted it to be. Um, but I'm looking here. Argo, The Town, and Gone Baby Gone. That's, that's a great career. That's a great one, two, three punch. That's a great one, two, three punch right there. Uh, you don't get any better than that. Um, so Ben Affleck makes it on here. Um, yes, for anyone listening, you guys know, I'm, I, yes, I'm biased. He's my dad. <laughs> but you cannot deny those three movies. Um, those are really, really, really good movies. So Ben Affleck makes it on this list for me. 
Um, it's so funny because when you think of directors, like I didn't even like think of that. That didn't even say cross my mind, and it should have uh, because he has directed some really great films, and I can't really argue with you. I can't really argue with you, even though you know that like I'm not the biggest say Ben Affleck fan. Um, <laughs> I watched Argo. <laughs> I know you're just shaking your head there. I watched Argo um, for the first time. I think uh, in the be like towards the end of last year, right? And I found myself walking around going, "Argo, fuck yourself." Because I just loved that movie so much. Like, that movie alone, I sat there and said, wow, Ben Affleck's a really good director. Um, because just to me, that movie alone solidified it. for uh, Not actor, director. Because that movie solidified it for me. He was so phenomenal in it. That movie in general was done really well. And has my man in it, Scoop McNary. So can't really fight with that. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because Ben Affleck is a fantastic director. And correct me if I'm wrong, did he direct The Way Back or did he just act in that? I don't think he directed it. it. It's not listed in his credits. When I went to IMDb, I'll double check. I'll click on the movie and see um, what it says for the way back. Okay. Uh, um, oh, he has a movie coming out called Deep Water. All right, the way back. Here we go. Um, top, 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 top. Nope, it was Gavin O'Connor. Okay. Um, They're really, really, really good friends, him and Gavin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, freaking... It'd be nice if Ben Affleck could come out with another movie that he directed, because I think surely it would be a big success. Um, obviously, though, directing a movie is just like a completely different beast than acting in a film. So that could be something that he's not really interested in doing just because of the gravity of what it takes. But you're going to kill me, by the way. I have never seen The Town. <laughs> well all right let me correct myself i started it but i forgot what i was doing that i couldn't finish it but i do remember seeing that jeremy ritter was not jeremy renner renner, no, renner. you're right you're jeremy right. renner was in it and i was like no because <laughs> uh yeah but no, I mean, I know you're you're shaking your head at me, and I, I do apologize completely. But maybe one day I'll check it out again. But besides that, I think that you're 100 percent correct. Ben Affleck deserves his place on this list. Have you seen Gone Baby Gone? No. <laughs> I I already established with you that I'm not the biggest uh, Ben Affleck. Fan, he's so. not in it. He only directed it, Tia. He's not in it. Yeah, but anything with his like name attached, I'm like, Meh. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you and AJ are gonna give me a a a, a panic attack at, at some point. His his level of hate for the CW and your level is just. I'm sorry, Juan. I really don't mean it. You mean it. That's what hurts the most, yeah. You do mean it. You 100% mean it. 
I think I told you, though, that, like, I always sit there and say that I dislike Ben Affleck, but then my mom always points out to me, she's like, yeah, but you like a lot of the shit that he's in, like Argo and Gone Girl, and I'm like, yeah, I guess he has moments. (laughs) I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't even know what to say, I can't, I can't. I'm sorry, Joanne. I didn't mean to disappoint you as much as I did. <laughs> you do it so religiously when you talk about Ben, Tia. You do it so religiously when you talk about him. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, yes, I-, I will sit here and agree that Ben Affleck deserves to be on our top 10 list of directors. Um, I'm going to move on to number three, and I-, I don't know if he's on your list. I wanted to grab him just in case he was, because I want to talk about him. Um, And it's going to be Christopher Nolan. Uh, I think that Christopher Nolan is one of the best directors in modern day film, uh, simply because of how, to me, consistent his career is. We start off with Memento, which to me is one of the best movies of all time, uh, and kind of is the reason why I even like the actor Guy Pearce. I know that a lot of the things that he's in isn't that great. And, you know, people kind of talk smack about Guy Pierce. But my one thing will always be like, yeah, but he was in Memento. So, like, to me, he always gets a pass. He was in Memento. Um, and to have movies like that. And then, of course, you know, I love the Dark Knight trilogy. I think that they were fantastic films. I went back not too long ago and rewatched all three movies. And I was like, yeah holy shit, Christopher Nolan's, like, directing style. But then we have movies like Inception, which to me still confuses me to this day, and that is the absolute greatest thing about Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan. I also had to throw that in there. It must be a family thing. I don't know if you know this, but, like, Jonathan Nolan also has written on a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies, but then his brother Jonathan Nolan has uh, written and also directed Westworld, which if you're a fan of Westworld, especially season two was the most confusing thing on the like face of the planet. Um, and then of course, Tenet looks like what the hell is going on in the first place. So to me, Christopher Nolan just has this really artful way of telling his stories and kind of leaving you questioning more. His movies will always have you leaving the movie theater, really just sitting there and going, wait, did this happen? Or what did this mean? And I appreciate that from a filmmaker. So I'm definitely putting Christopher Nolan down. Yeah, no, he deserves a spot on this list. Not for what he did with the Dark Knight trilogy, but definitely (sighs) Agree, disagree. (laughs) In Memento, um, I I wrote it down because there was another movie of his that I really, really, really loved. Um, let me see if I have it here. Oh, yeah, Interstellar, Dunkirk. Um, I know that's right. Dunkirk was great. The Prestige, I loved. I love, 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 love the Prestige. Uh, it doesn't like it talked about enough, but um, yeah, I mean, this is the guy who does not have that large of a body of work. Um, but Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk. Uh, Memento, The Prestige, and then those three movies you were, you were talking about. Um, you know, that's a great body of work. <laughs> um, and he's very much a visionary and pushing the 
Like, I think he really made IMAX as fun as it is. Um, he pushes the, uh, you know, the envelope uh, as much as he possibly can. And I love what Christopher Nolan, the way he approaches a movie, uh, except for those three movies. But how he approaches the movie, I really love. I'm sorry, Tia, I, I won't let that go. But you, you always say, though, in other shows that we do, that as much as you dislike them as Batman films, they're you films. they're great movies. So yeah, they're great movies yeah. about Gotham, yeah, but they're not good Batman movies, yeah, but they're good Gotham movies for sure. Um, like if he was making, like if his movies were like the show to where it was about Gotham but not really about Batman, I think I would consider it like the three greatest movies ever created. But the fact that it it starred Batman. Or co-starred, like I like to say, co-starred Batman. Uh, it just never felt like Batman, ever. Not once. Not once. But anyway, Christopher Nolan deserves a, a spot on here. He was on my list, but I had not planned on bringing him up. Um, he was my reserve. So um, I'm glad glad you put him on there. People would have killed us if he was not on here. So Yeah. <laughs> See, I just, I don't know, I just love his storytelling uh joan and i will always disagree i love his dark knight films what he did with batman begins the dark knight the dark knight rises i will always consider to me the greatest batman movies but again agree to disagree there but if you want to throw those away his work with memento inception um Dunkirk, which was really interesting because he never had approached, say, a quote-unquote, like, real-life historical sort of film before, and I liked the way that he did that, and the fact that he decides to use Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy in pretty much almost everything. I'm a little hurt that neither of them are in Tenet, but that's fine. Uh, Tenet, I think, will be a great door for people to kind of open if they are wanting to see Robert Pattinson in something like, to kind of like get people to stop thinking about Robert Pattinson from Twilight and get them prepared to think of him as Batman. I think that there's no better like movie. There's no better time for it to be in Tenet. And then of course, uh, oh God, what is his name? He's, he's Denzel Washington's son, right? The guy who's going to be the main. Yeah. So it's like, I think, those two are going to be obviously the mains in the film and that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, we'll definitely debate what best Batman movies are out there. (laughs) No, like I said, uh, Christopher Nolan, not even to be debated. He belongs on this list, not even to be debated. And without uh, superstars, Um, really think about it. Uh, Christian Bale coming off of his project, uh, I think he's become bigger since then, uh, but I don't think he was as big before then. No, uh, prior to, and I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, prior to that, um, he was in the the Mechanist, the Machinist. Um, fab, fabulous movie, by the way. That was really great. But um, really, besides that, he was in that movie, uh, Equilibrium, which is actually the film that Christopher Nolan saw and thought of Christian Bale when he's thinking of Batman but those were really the movies apparently there was a thing even when Christopher Nolan went to kind of like the higher-ups and said hey I'd really like this guy Christian Bale to be Bruce Wayne people were like him 
who even knows him? So certainly uh, Christian Bale's career has catapulted since then. But you're right. I mean, even Killian Murphy wasn't as big of a star as he was. Tom Hardy wasn't. Not a lot of people knew who the hell Tom Hardy was before he became Bane. Uh, Matt Pierce. Uh, yeah. To a degree, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, to a degree. Yeah. Um, you can make a case of... Um, you could say his two biggest names he's worked with are Matthew McConaughey and Leo. Yeah. Outside of that, I could I can almost guarantee you majority of the world didn't know the movies before the the Christopher Nolan. They didn't know the actors before the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. And thanks to Christopher Nolan, we found out um uh Daddy Mendelssohn. Which movie was he in? Dark Knight Rises. Oh, shit. That, do you know I forget sometimes that that's him? Like, I was like, holy shit. I hated him. He was such an asshole. I was so happy when he died in the Dark Knight Rises. I rewatched that, and I'm like, I love Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> I love him so much. I, love, I remember watching that. Like, I could barely understand this guy. He sounds like he has, like, some kind of, like, southern twang to him a little bit to where like when he talks he kind of like trips over himself i was like i don't think i'm gonna like this guy and then it was like a year later i was like i like this guy <laughs> there's something about him he's very charming that's that's, something about him. that's like uh i don't know if i told you i watched rogue one for the first time not too long ago and i was like daddy mendelson is there and it was fantastic I wanted him to be alive just for the fact of having more Mendelssohn in the Star Wars uh, continuum, but that wasn't happening. Nah, he's super dead. Um, Very poetic, though. (laughs) He dies by his own weapon. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, huge shout out to Christopher Nolan. Uh, Great pick to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Juwan, what is your number two? All right, this is my final pick. Excuse me, my final pick is imaginary drum roll, please. It goes to one, <laughs> the one, the only Martin Scorsese. I knew you were going to put that. I was like, if he hasn't brought out Martin Scorsese yet, Martin Scorsese's coming. <laughs> oh, you already know. That's why Christopher Nolan wasn't going to make it on my list. <laughs> um, between Martin and Chris, Martin every day. Uh, fellas, The Departed, Taxi Driver, Wolf on Wall Street, Raging Bull, Casino, The Irishman, Mean Street, Shutter Island, which does not get enough respect. Great Leo movie. Uh, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, Silence, which is horrible, uh, but I have to mention it. Uh, The King of Comedy, Hugo. um, There's just so many movies this man has done. Um, This man shaped me with Goodfellas and The Casino. Casino, I think I could I could recite word for word. Really? Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love that. Love that movie. Um, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed. Um, I love those movies so much. I even love The Departed for uh, them bringing awareness to like the fact that there's not many black people in Boston. 
Um, so when he saw him, he was like, how did you make it here? <laughs> it was like, I, I know, man, I know, I know. There's not really black people here in Boston. It was like, no, there's not. It's weird. Um, but I, I just, I love how Martin Scorsese attacks a film. I love how raw and passionate uh, his filmmaking is. And I feel like every movie might seem the same, but it feels different. Um, like Goodfellas in Casino seem the same, but when you watch them, they feel drastically different. Um, so Martin Scorsese was always going to make it on my list. I just wasn't going to disrespect him by saying him so close to the bottom. I was, I was saving him for my last pick. Um, and Martin Scorsese cannot be argued. It cannot be debated. There is no, nothing to discuss. Martin Scorsese belongs on this list. Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me. Uh, Martin Scorsese certainly deserves to be on this list. When you think of great filmmakers, you think of Martin Scorsese. Um, I know I keep saying the whole I recently rewatched, but, you know, we're in quarantine, so there's a lot of rewatching time. Uh, so I recently rewatched Goodfellas, and just as good, it definitely stands out to the test of time. Yeah, um, well, for sure. It aged well. And, you know, Martin Scorsese is that type of guy who he also has his kind of cast of people that he likes to use, such as Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you have a power cast and it works, then it freaking works. And I like the whole gangster movie genre. That's what he kind of thrives in sometimes. The Departed was crazy. Um, I don't think I saw that movie when it like when it came right out, but then I think I saw it like a couple of years later, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And it kind of made me like Mark Wahlberg, which you know now he kind of like does questionable things, and it's like ah, you know. But I like seeing Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, uh, Jack Nicholson all be in one film, and the conclusion of that movie in particular. Now, you know that I wasn't the biggest fan of The Irishman, but I could still say that I saw where Martin was going with that one. Um, and again, Robert De Niro still gave out a good performance, but I think that that, of course, goes to Joe Pesci. He gave the best performance in that freaking movie. You mean Pacino? Hmm? You mean Al Pacino? Al Pacino, too, yes. Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in The Irishman gave the best performances over Robert De Niro. Um, to me, Robert De Niro, as good as he is, I don't think out, could outshine Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in it, in my personal opinion. He, he's disagreeing with me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's hard. Goodfellas, it's a three-way tie between Ray Liotta De Niro and, and uh, Pesci, then you go Casino. That's a triple threat between Sharon Stone, De Niro, and, and Pesci. You go Godfather. As much as, you know, we want to lean towards Al Pacino, De Niro did have some really good scenes as a young Don yeah. Corleone. Um, but obviously it was Pacino's movie. And then Pacino and De Niro did numerous films together. Heat, yeah. uh, a, a Minute to Kill, or Eight Minutes to Kill, something like that, where they were both detectives. Um, they've done a lot of movies together, but I don't know. I don't know. I really wasn't that blown away by Joe Pesci. I think that that was Al Pacino's movie. Uh, that was a hundred percent Al Pacino's movie. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, 
I don't know. That's tough to you. That, 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 that's a hundred percent tough. I mean, going through the history of the movies between Pesci, De Niro and Pacino. Oof. That's, that's a tough one, but yeah, Martin Scorsese has his made men and that's definitely De Niro and, and uh, Leo. Those are his go-to guys, which speaking of the devil, uh, Martin Scorsese's brand new movie coming out is starring Leonardo DiCaprio and De Niro. Um, so, so yeah, he definitely has his go-to guys and it seems to be Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. I can't believe that Robert De Niro honestly is still acting at this point. You would think like, dude, why don't you just go retire and enjoy some of your like, I don't know. I, I forget how old he is, but I'm kind of like, you're getting up there, dude. Don't you want to, like, relax a little? If he has kids, I think what he's doing is he's making sure that six generations from where he is now, they don't have to worry about money. Like, <laughs> like if you think about it, he's in, like, a movie a year or, like, a movie yeah. every year. And it's kind of like, I don't think he's supposed to be working that hard, but okay. Right? The person that works harder is Samuel Jackson. Like, oh, you'll, yeah. look, you'll look at Samuel Jackson's filmography and go, I didn't even know 300 of these existed. And it's like, oh, no, they did. They did. He made them and they went right to, to DVD. And it's like. No, with Samuel Jackson, I don't understand how he has the time to do everything. Like, he must not even. To me, it's like actors like that. They must not have homes. They just live out of like really fancy hotels. Because literally, what's the point of having a house at that point? Yeah. You're never there. <laughs> I was looking forward to the Hitman, or the Hit. It, it was the Hitman's Bodyguard sequel, uh, that was about his his uh, his his girlfriend. Um, that was originally coming out this year, and I was looking forward to seeing him and Ryan Reynolds together again. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Next year, uh, but yeah, the man works religiously. Him and yeah. Daniel work religiously, but yeah, Martin Scorsese makes it to the list. 100% Martin Scorsese absolutely deserves to be on this list. Um, I think that it would be one of those things that if we didn't put him there, people would have yelled at us. But, um, Juwan, we are down to the number one in our top de- ugh, top ten directors here. Uh, as I always do, I will go through the ones that we have uh, prior, and then I'll say my number one, and that so. We had number 10, Francis Ford Coppola, number 9, Steve McQueen, number 8, David Fincher, number 7, Bong Joon-ho, number 6, Quentin Tarantino, number 5, Tim Burton, number 4, Ben Affleck, number 3, Christopher Nolan, number 2, Martin Scorsese, and number 1 is another director that I feel like if I didn't put on here, we'd also get um, a lot of flack for, but it's going to be Steven Spielberg. Because uh, when you think of people who have literally shaped filmmaking, you have to think of Steven Spielberg, just because of all the things that he's come out with. I mean, I'm just, I have his filmography in front of me, and you have Jaws, which was a huge uh, cultural phenomenon, E.T., the Indiana Jones movies. He did The Color Purple, which I think is probably one of the best movies out there. If you've never seen it, that is an incredibly powerful film. Uh, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report, um, Catch Me If You Can, uh, War Horse, Lincoln, 
He also did Ready Player One. He is coming out with West Side Story, which is kind of weird that they're doing a movie on it, but whatever. But yeah, to me, it's like Steven Spielberg's movies have shaped a lot of our pop culture, a lot of our um, filmmaking process to begin with. He certainly isn't, I don't believe, to the degree that, say, like Martin Scorsese is, who makes more of films, whereas... Steven Spielberg makes more of like, as I just said, keep saying like pop culture movies. Um, it's funny that Steven Spielberg had such a problem with making a movie for Netflix when his movies would be the perfect ones for Netflix. But Martin Scorsese, as like controversial as his comments were about Marvel, is okay with making movies for a streaming service. So it is funny that that kind of like duels like that. But yeah, I think that Steven Spielberg, I mean, listen, I grew up on Jurassic Park. Uh, Schindler's List is probably one of the most, you know, talked about and critically acclaimed movies of all time, along with a few others that I've just mentioned right before. So to me, I feel like I would be not doing my job if I didn't put him on there. I mean, Saving Private Ryan is also one of like the best movies of all time. So to me, it's like, you know, he's had, he's had a lot of movies where, again, they're just kind of like blockbuster films, you know, like the Indiana Jones films, but I just, I couldn't not put him on here. Uh, the fact that he did The Color Purple, I didn't even realize that he um, even directed that. I really like The Color Purple. I watched that a few years ago. My mom is like, you need to check that out. Whoopi Goldberg is in it. And she is phenomenal. And Danny Glover is just like an absolute monster in it. And I checked it out. And that's a freaking fantastic movie. So yeah, it's going to be Steven Spielberg. Uh, this is where I get canceled by our, our <laughs> fan base. I am not <laughs> a Steven Spielberg fan. Uh, okay. I find his movies to be grossly overrated. I hated A.T. I hated Jaws. I hated Jurassic Park. Oh. <laughs> I've never seen The Color Purple. Um, Ready Player One, I really enjoyed. Um, what else did you say? Indiana Jones, I've only seen one of them. I think they're grossly overrated. Um, what else? What else did I see here? Um, let me see. My ch choice of Steven Spielberg uh, just made him that angry. Oh, there you are, Joan. I I'm, got you. I'm here. Um, Ready Player One, Saving Private Ryan. Um, that's it. That's all I've ever enjoyed with Steven Spielberg's. That's it. I mean, listen, you are more than entitled to your opinion. <laughs> I don't know. It, even if you think that, like, okay, so even if you think that movies say like Jaws are overrated, they, the filmmaking process in general, still kind of, if we didn't have Jaws, I don't want to say like we wouldn't have a lot of films that we have today, but it's like movies like that kind of help shape current filmmaking so even if you say think that a movie like Jaws is overrated or a movie like E.T. is overrated movies like that still have their place in film history and where things like went yeah my issue is when it comes to filmmaking to me I like to know when someone's like oh I like the movie I like to I'm not saying the person has to say but I like to know 
what about it did they like? And every time I ask someone about Jaws, they can never answer that. Like, oh, it was just a good, it was just a fun movie. Yeah, but what was fun about it? Uh, you know, like the shark and, you know, like, okay, nothing. Okay, all right, nothing. What was fun about E.T.? Uh, you know, Alien, the kid, and I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, I, am, I am hurt, though, that you think that way about Jurassic Park because I absolutely love Jurassic Park, and I could tell you why I love Jurassic Park. So I get, I get Jurassic Park more so than I do E.T. and Jaws. Um, I get it. I mean, it's dinosaurs. Who doesn't love dinosaurs? I get it. Um, and I get why he's on the list. I'm not refuting that he shouldn't be on the list. I get it. That that's that's not my argument. I just wanted to make it clear. I'm not a fan of Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. That's the, that's the great thing. Like you know, you don't have to be a fan of every single director. There are certainly directors. Like personally. I would say I'm not the biggest fan of like Wes Anderson films, you know, and he's a filmmaker that people really like and he gets uh, his movies get a lot of buzz surrounding them. But personally, I just don't think they're that great. I also will tell you that. And now this is where I get canceled by saying this. Um, I don't think that Greta Gerwig is that great of a director for people to freak out over. I know. There you go. I got canceled there. I don't think she's as fantastic of a director where people have Greta to literally... Gerwig is a brilliant <laughs> mind in filmmaking. Um, she has such because, a unique... Go ahead. Because she did one movie that's literally been redone like six times throughout history. Little Women has been redone like a thousand times and she just decided that she was also going to redo Little Women. In a time where it's like, did we really even need that movie? To be fair, and let me double check this. Let me double check this to make sure I'm not talking out of my uh, my butt here because she's done she's done more than just that that I've loved. Um, her filmography as a director, um, Lady Bird, uh, Little Women. Um, and then I think she's doing the Margot Robbie Barbie movie. That's kind of like who cares about that? I don't know. Like, I of course I want to see Margot Robbie as a Barbie. Are you serious? Um, this comes from such a superficial stance, stance, you know. As see, I've never lied to you a day in my life. (laughs) That is legit the only reason I'll be checking out that movie. Um, but no, I mean, look, I, I, I completely respect that. Uh, but it goes to exactly what I told you before. She doesn't have that large of a uh, uh, discography. So that's why you could like pick through the one or two because it's just not that many. But to me, Steven Spielberg, I think a lot of people that love him, love him because of the hype of him. Yeah. Um, but to me, if someone wants to have a, 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 a film conversation with me, um, then it's going to go down a rabbit hole of me asking you to break down what you like about his movies. But if someone's like, I'm just a casual movie fan and I enjoy his movies, I'll never argue that. I'll never argue that. My thing with Steven Spielberg, and I I wanted to say that as opposed to like say someone like Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese comes out with these very story-driven films, which are... You know, Goodfellas and Casino are part of our pop culture, but in a different sense than, say, Steven Spielberg movies are. Like movies like Indiana Jones, Jaws, Jurassic Park make their way onto pop 
culture, you know, phenomenons were to the point where, you know, they're selling mugs and t-shirts and this and that they become these huge, like, you know, staples in, uh, the world and while they're not necessarily really saying a message or saying anything really that deep although again saving private ryan so he's had his movies where he does that but where martin scorsese's movies will always be movies where he's taking like a more serious stance but also kind of making it a little comical so the two have two totally different styles um, both which make their way into the fabric of our culture, pretty much. It's it's subjective, and I want to say that a few more times so when people listen to this episode, they don't jump to trying to argue a, a point that is invalid because I'm acknowledging it. It's all about, it's subjective. It's what the yeah. person prefers. But to me, Steven Spielberg only has one movie that's a film. And that's um, Schindler's List. That's a film. Like, that's a legit film. Uh, Martin Scorsese, I feel like, only makes films. Uh, You could look at it and go, I get why that was nominated. I get why that was nominated. Steven Spielberg, to me, only has one. Maybe The Color Purple might be in there. Oh, and Lincoln. Um, So, I mean, those three. Everything else is kind of just like a popcorn film. Um, so I look at it and I kind of go, it's, that's not really for me. I never liked E.T. I always thought that was so stupid. I'm like, what is that? That's like, that's so disgusting. (laughs) disgusting. Um, and Jaws, like, I remember when I saw Jaws, I'm like, this is like forever. And it's like not enough people for the shark to kill. So like, I'm just watching a movie of guys on a boat and a shark just like circling the boat. That's why I prefer Deep Blue Sea. Because I'm like, those sharks are killing people, like, every five minutes. Like, that's what I paid money to see. Not just a fin, just dun 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 like, It what? was a suspenseful film. You spent more time eating the ship, Tia. He spent more time eating the boat than he did people. That's not what I'm here for. Um, so, I mean, I, I just find a lot of his stuff to be grossly overrated. I get Schindler's List. I get Lincoln. I've never seen Color Purple, never have, never had an interest in seeing Color Purple. Uh, it falls under that that same thing as 12 Years a Slave for me. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm like, I just don't really want to see it. Um, but I understand Lincoln and I understand Schindler's List. Uh, those to me are probably two of, uh, of the top 100 greatest movies um, just because of the performances that were given. But everything else... If I never saw it again a day in my life, I'd be completely fine. Completely fine. Which I completely understand and I respect 100%. Um, I just think as far as like what his films do for the culture, uh, not like the culture, but like, you know, pop culture uh, and film culture, I think have to be kind of put out there. But I was trying to, you know, I really like, I don't want anyone listening to this and going, why didn't they put literally any female directors on this list um it's just i'm not so familiar like uh, so i just wanted to point out uh mary heron uh was the director of american psycho i've never seen any of her other work so i can't really you know give her that much not give her that much credit because american psycho enough is enough credit you know but as even joan was saying you know to to have more of an extensive body of work 
really put on say the type of list but um to me you know mary heron definitely deserves um absolutely not because american psycho is one of my favorite movies of all time uh the hurt locker was also directed by a woman uh catherine bigelow um i don't really know what she's done but the hurt locker is freaking great a movie where i can look past the fact that jeremy renner is the main and uh I'm going to put one last uh, Patty Jenkins just because, again, what she is kind of doing for, say, pop culture in a sense, giving us Wonder Woman. So, I yeah. Would I, say, I would say you're definitely forgetting somebody. I'm definitely forgetting someone. I would. Do you know who I'm forgetting? Ava yes, Taylor. please come. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I want to put... Uh, female directors on this list even as an honorable mention so that we don't get like chewed out but yeah even how do I say her name again Ava DuVernay okay I li- I recently this whole recently watched thing and now I feel like a broken record but I recently watched um When They See Us and that was phenomenal mm-hmm. um I know that she has a ton of other work that you know is like it's late, so I'm not really thinking of it right now. But I do know that she's going to be behind uh, the New Gods movie, which is going to be really freaking cool. And she's also like a huge director uh, as of this moment, and I think that's really cool. So thank you for pointing that out, by the way, Juan. People were probably going to be like, "Why didn't you put Ava Di- Ava DuVernay there?" It's like I'm sorry, I'm not no, thinking. I, mean, I didn't have coffee today. <laughs> I, mean, I, I will say that's that's part of our our systematic problem that we have to get uh, fixed at some point. The main reason why we didn't have many female directors um, on here is because there's not enough female directors that get numerous projects not just one good movie here or one good series there um like martin scorsese could drop a movie every day of the week and a studio would say yep nope go ahead i don't think it's i i think it's maybe getting easier i don't think it's always been that easy for female directors so um that's something we have to make sure we're we're trying to um to pitch is the idea of just getting more female uh directed movies um, I know they destroyed A Wrinkle in Time that Ava DuVernay uh, did. Um, yeah, that got really bad uh, response. Right. I mean, she, Selma, she did um, uh, 13th, the documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, When They See Us, like you said. Um, so, I mean, she's had stuff under her belt. It's just we need, we need to get female directors doing more projects, uh, more big name projects. Uh, rather than small scale films. So I think once we get to that point, uh, we can kind of look at it a little differently and we can uh, attack it a lot better and have a full female list one day. Well, yeah, you're completely right. Like I also wanted to say really quick as an honorable mention, you know, before we wrap up here, um, even though say I'm not say the biggest fan of his movies, not that I'm not the biggest fan. I just haven't seen a lot of them and he has a very particular theme as well uh guillermo del toro is a huge name in the filmmaking business um i just want to say i was looking at this list and uh, as you said it is a systematic thing because not only did we not have any females but we really didn't have a whole lot of people of color it's like two um so 
you know, that to me wasn't done intentionally at all. It's just what is provided for us. So that definitely needs to be something that is rectified. I believe I saw something where the Academy Awards are going to try, they say, try to have more diversity to me. It's one of those things where they say that and they'll do it one year and then the very next year it'll be back to all the same bullshit because that's how it feels like. <laughs> it's it's the same thing as when they implemented that into football where they're like, you have to uh, interview like at least one or two black head coach candidates. Yeah. And we still only have like out of 32 teams, like four black head coaches. So it's like, Kind of seems like it didn't really work. Well, to me, things always seem like they go, they like revert back. I know this isn't as big, but I remember a couple of years ago, there was this campaign where it was like, ask her more. And it was about this thing where, um, you know, actresses or female directors would come on the red carpet. And instead of like people asking them like, you know, about the film and this and that, where they would ask like the male counterparts, they'd be like, and what, are, who are you wearing right now? You know, and so, like, then one year they made this big pitch where they were like, we're not going to ask these uh, female actresses and directors what they're wearing. We're going to ask about their projects. And they did that. And then the very next year, they're like, they're, you know, they're interviewing, like, Brad Pitt. Like, how was this, you know, project for you? What does it say? Blah, blah, blah. Ava DuVernay, what shoes are you wearing? You know, like, shit like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you make a really good point. I, I will say um, – Part of that I get because it it shines a light on a lot of um, I'm trying to think of the designers that don't yeah. usually get um, any shine. So like the Oscars is like their best chance of like, look, I made this for blah blah blah. So it's more of like a you're putting on this designer, but where it becomes problematic is they'll legit ask you like who you're wearing. You'll tell them and they go, I love it. All right. Have, have a good night. Good luck tonight. Yeah. But wait, what? That's all you wanted to ask me? It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was it. Who are you wearing? Go, go sit down. Um, so that's where it becomes a problem. But I do yeah. get why it became popular is because it was helping out. Like not everyone can be Vera Wang. Um, so, and, and I completely so, get that. Like, absolutely. Up and comers. So um, yeah. I get that, but it's it, it, to a point it was kind of like, all right, tell me who you're wearing. You you can go. And it's like, no, I wanted to talk about my mood. No, 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 go. Um, so, no, I agree with you. That is a systematic thing that, that needs to be changed also. Yeah, 100%. But either way, I do love our list. Um, just getting to talk about the people behind the camera who really are responsible for making some of the greatest movies of all time. So, uh, before we wrap up here, Juwan, is there anything that you'd like to promote? I know that you recorded a ton of podcasts today, so you are probably so tired of talking. You're going to get off here, and you know, I, I believe you live with your uh, your mom, right, or your aunt, or something. Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah, she's going to try and talk to you, and you're going to be like, "No, mm -mm, mm -mm, stop. No, I don't feel like talking right now." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sleep right after this. Like right after I hang out with you, I'm going to sleep. Um, no, um, please stay tuned for Dom has two interviews coming up this week. I'll allow Kanan to promote that further. Um, but he does have that coming along. Um, stay tuned. Tia will be reviewing, uh, a few episodes of Doom Patrol and we'll be having her breakdown for that. Um, we just did Star Wars Saturday. Um, we did Geek Vibes Live a few days ago. 
Uh, we have a lot of content coming you guys' way, a lot of really good interviews, a lot of interviews that are already out there. Um, and also, me and AJ broke down the uh, the reveal for the PS5 and some of its exclusive games also on GVN Review. So check those out. Um, and also, obviously, because you're listening to it now, but thank you for tuning in to uh, Top 10. Yes, absolutely. Uh on top of that, Marty has an interview that we'll be promoting soon. Um, and yeah, no, super excited about Doom Patrol, obviously. And in general, we at Geek Fives Nation just love to provide content for everyone, whether it be reviews, news articles, opinion pieces. You can, of course, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Vero, YouTube, we are everywhere and anywhere. All you have to do is search Geek Fives Nation. And, of course, you can find all of that at geekfivesnation.com. Uh, please make sure that you subscribe to us, like us, and let us know who are some of your favorite directors out there. Joan, thank you again for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And anyone who's listening, have a great rest of your day.